Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Okay, what do we know about Gossip Girl? Very little. It's a CW show? Some Somewhere in that... Oh, it might have been the WB. Oh. How long ago? The show was from like the early 2000s, I think. Like, roughly concurrent to, like, Roswell and the beginning of Smallville, I want to say. Like, it was around that... I didn't I didn't period. watch either of those shows, so I don't have, a, like, a strong form of reference for their time period. But I think it was early, mid-2000s. I think it ran for quite a while. It was... I feel it was very popular. People talked about it a lot. And it's, it's like, a Mean Girls kind of thing? Like, they're, like, backstabby and there's all this drama and, like, shit goes down all the time? Uh, aside from... Assuming that it's about young women because of the title, I actually don't know anything about the plot. I have no idea the premise. Is it about high school students, college students, young professionals? Is it about a girl who writes a gossip column? I I have no answers. I'm Jennifer T. Gossip, just trying to live up to my father's legacy. Please, please, Mrs. Gossip is my mother. <laughs> I, I yeah I I I know things about the general vibe of the show. Ooh. I think, though, that I, because until recently I had not seen Gilmore Girls either, I think there are some things I may have conflated about those two shows over the years, because they're both popular long-run shows with kind of similar names, Gossip Girl and Gilmore Girls, and yeah. I, I may conf have conflated some things about the vibe, so I'm going to be going into this one almost totally blind. Same. Except that I'm stoked to finally get some frame of reference for the this... This name that has floated around in my head for years. All right, let's uh, let's go uh, yeah. reference that frame. So we just watched Gossip Girl. We we did it. That it happened. I was there. I think I need. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna need some booze. <laughs> Oh, do you need a drink? I need a drink. I think we need to pause this, and I need to come back with a drink. Okay, all right, folks. This is, we're, we may be entering Degrassi territory. We need drinks. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Okay, folks, we are back. Strangely poured himself a glass of my fancy scotch. Uh, I've just got a bottle of cider because it's hot. Cheers. It's too hot for scotch. Cheers. Now we're ready to talk about Gossip Girl. Strangely, would you like to uh, delight us with your one-sentence synopsis? Unseen, yet omniscient blogger Gossip Girl chronicles and editorializes the return of socialite high schooler Serena to the Upper East Side as she lands in the middle of the same old dramas and plots she sought to escape during her peregrinations. Oh, oh my God. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, we're going to take another pause while Stranger drives me to the ER because I rolled my eyes so hard. I actually dislocated my... <laughs> dislocated my eyes? That, can you dislocate your eye? Is I think something? there are pieces in your eye that can get knocked yeah, loose. I know. I just couldn't remember what the term was. I didn't know if dislocated was the right <laughs> term. It's probably not, but that is an apt description, including the use of ridiculous vocabulary words like peregrinations. Oh, I love that word. It's maybe too good a word for this show. Shall we move on to uh, a one-sentence hot take each? Yeah. My one-sentence hot take is, I don't entirely understand why this show exists. I'll get more into that in the recap uh, and our discussion later, but that's kind of my, that's my one sentence. I hated this. <laughs> and I, 
like I'll get into why and everything like that. But but like it took me two hours to watch this 45 minute oh, pilot. Buddy. Like I had to stop. I had to stop three times and like go read a comic book just to like cleanse wow. my soul. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'll, I'm going to amend mine to say I didn't hate it, but I don't understand why the show exists. Yeah. There's my more, more descriptive hot take. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had to. Yeah, I wow. needed scotch. I needed scotch. Wow. This <laughs> is interesting, folks, because I didn't I didn't think we were going to be going that direction with this. So oh. now before we get into the recap, we have to address what we thought we knew. So with the what we know, we obviously knew very little. But we more or less were uh, correct. Yeah. It, our general vagaries. Uh, I said early 2000s. It was 2007. Mm-hmm. So like, but that, I feel like that fits within the time I was imagining. It was a CW show. Mm-hmm. There was, in fact, a Smallville bus ad. Did you notice that? Yeah. There's there's a part where a bus drives by and a fucking Smallville bu- bus ad on it. Uh, there's backstabbing drama. Uh, it, I s- described it as long running, six seasons, 2007 to 2012. So I think that... That's a pretty healthy run. Yeah, so it's healthy. It gives they you've got time to both uh, complete all of the things you had imagined when you started the show and start to run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to that recap, shall we? We open on Grand Central Station because New York. Uh, a voiceover of a celebrity blogger who we will learn is the eponymous Gossip Girl describes as we see that a blonde it girl. Serena, who is supposed to have left town for boarding school, is now back and was spotted by an informant with a hilariously old camera phone. So we have set up our premise of both this show is about this girl and also it's about this blogger and she has informants with camera phones that enable her to follow the story in real time. So this, the, the premise is fairly well set up by that uh, first, half, first half of the first scene because then we move on to elsewhere in Grand Central Station and we meet some other characters, a guy who is not Tom Cruise, and his children, who I refer to as loser brother and loser sister. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They've been away for the weekend visiting their mom. It's, it's something they harp on constantly throughout the episode that has no bearing on the plot in the actual pilot. Presumably it'll be, it's something they wanted to seed yeah. uh, for later. But uh, they were visiting their mom, who recently <laughs> left their dad, and their dad has feelings about it. Uh, loser brother sees the it girl and moons a bit. And that is the first scene. Good job uh, setting up that premise, I guess. I hated everything that was done with it, but like, had this premise been like a Black Mirror episode made circa 2008 <laughs> or whatever, like just as we all started to get camera phones, because it was yeah. around, because like, I know the iPhone came out in 2007, 2008, something like that. And that kind of seemed to be this watershed moment for smartphones and all of that. Like people had flip phones and stuff, but... This this kind this is when they became ubiquitous. Yeah, this kind of was like right on that wave of like technology is ubiquitous. Everybody's connected. People can send each other photos from anywhere. Like everyone has a camera in their pocket in a way that even ten years before would have been unthinkable. Yeah, like that's a cool premise. This is not the story I want told with it. Fair enough. I love that immediately after that, where you would normally expect to have a credit sequence in the way of pilots. Often, Uh we do not have a credit sequence, but we do have a montage of 2007 cell phones that probably wasn't even a little bit funny 11 years ago and is hilarious now. It's just like, get it? That's what the show is about, you guys. Amazing. We move on then to a fancy party full of rich people where we meet our second major character, Insecure Brunette. I think her real name is Blair, but that's not important. She is an insecure brunette. That's her character. Her mom is a fashion designer 
Uh, it's their party. Gossip Girl points out that Insecure Brunette is supposed to be blonde it girl's BFF, but also that Brunette's boyfriend was maybe into blonde it girl. We then meet the boyfriend, Living Kendall, in the way of Champ from Winona Earp. I guess he fits all the parameters of physically attractive, vis you know, visually attractive human male, but to a degree that is unsettling. It's like an alien goes, I've scanned all of your, or I guess I could well, say a neural, a neural network. That's more like topical. If, if you made, if you made a computer algorithm that took the faces of like yes. the two hundred most attractive people on Earth, yeah. and like combined them to make one face, it would look wrong. Yeah, there's a bit of the uncanny valley about him, except he's a human. So there's there nothing be. idiosyncratic about this guy's face. He has no scars. Everything's symmetrical, and it just doesn't look right. Like, yeah, the most beautiful people have idiosyncratic faces they have tiny imperfections or yeah. like although i want to point whatever. out there are occasionally people who you genuinely find attractive but sometimes you're like they're so attractive it's weird they yeah. almost look like an alien this guy is like oh I, I guess that's an attractive person but i'm not happy about it uh he is seen being kind of controlled by his dad who's some sort of captain i don't think they ever establish what sort of captain he is definitely not america <laughs> he's not captain america that's right Insecure Brunette suddenly drags him into a bedroom to have sex during a party where their parents are, which the all-knowing voice of Gossip Girl suggests is an effort to lock him down before he sees it, the it girl again. Yeah. I guess someone with a cell phone must have gone, oh my God, did you see Gossip Girl? Serena's back. And yeah. Insecure Brunette goes, oh no, I need to lock down she, the boyfriend. She overheard a conversation between... Uh, Oh, I refer to them as the stepsisters. Ah, okay. There's like one black girl in the show and, and one, one Asian, Asian girl. girl. They are the hangers-on who are like looks less popular but still get invited to all the parties right. and hang out. Yeah. They're like the Greek chorus. Like it's just, They're just there. And they are the only two minorities yeah. in this entire show. Yeah. yeah. And they're there to have any line that is not said by like our six leads. Yeah. They're there to occasionally say things that Gossip Girl has said that need to be said aloud and not in voiceover. So yeah, despite the fact that their parents are at this party, they're literally going to have sex in another room. She poutingly tells him, I love you. And he replies, I love you too, in a voice that clearly conveys, or whatever you want me to say so I can get my dick wet. <laughs> it's the least convincing I love you too, I think, that has ever been committed to a recorded sound. I did not get the vibe in the scene that he wanted to get his dick wet. Like... As is as is more explored as a, later. Yeah, that, it's established later that he's maybe not actually into it. But in that scene, that's how I read that line yeah. delivery, 100%. Like, uh, I don't know why this is happening, but okay, sex, okay, I guess it's happening. Sex, cool, um, I'm a teenager, and therefore should want this, but also I'm confused as to why it's happening. This is the first of many scenes for me in this pilot. I'm going to call this phenomenon hashtag should have been college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, 100%. like, we'll get, we'll get a lot more of these. And I don't know if this is, like, a deliberate choice if, if to create this hyper-real world of, of people being like this. Because, uh, like, there's there's so much underage drinking and, and drugs yeah. and, and sex and everything. But like, not handled as if it's underage. Handled right. as if it's adult, yeah. And it's weird. Also, I noticed that everyone on this show despite this problem, which I totally agree with, more or less looks like a high schooler for TV, mm -hmm. which means they look like they're 20. Right. Yeah, everybody's about 20 Except to 22. Except for our blonde it girl, Serena. She looks and acts like she's 25 and has seen some shit and is done with everything. Which is so weird because Blake Lively, 
who plays Serena, was 19 when this was filmed. So not, I, I didn't, I was wondering yeah. if she was appreciably older than everyone else and forgot to look it up. I, I, that was, I, it was part of my two hours was like, I had to stop and go look some of this. Up. I was like, why would you cast someone in their mid twenties to play this thing? And then it was like, oh no, she's, she's actually 19. A couple years older than the character, but that's yeah. TV, generally speaking. Right. Yeah. 19 is remarkably accurate for someone playing yeah. a high schooler. I was surprised, I actually started watching Riverdale recently, uh-huh. and I was amazed to find out that uh, Cole Sprouse, who plays Jughead, is 25 mm-hmm. and is one of the few people who actually looks closer to right. a teenager. Whereas KJ Appa, who plays Archie, uh-huh. looks like he's 25 and is actually 19, apparently. I'm like, what is, what is, what universe is this? What's right. happening? But yeah, it's, it is, she acts, it's more of her acting than her appearance. Uh-huh. It just kind of bleeds into it's, her general vibe. This, yeah. She just looks like she's. She acts too world weary. It's part of the character that she's over all this drama, but it it I don't know. It, it felt odd compared to everyone else. So Plus, being rich, they all dress like they're older than they right. are, pretty much. So, but hashtag should have been college. Yep, agreed. Also, at this party, we meet uh, insolent rich boy, their friend, who wants to smoke pot and start drama. Not necessarily in that order. Finger guns. <laughs> uh, if a third option is available, he would choose look like a Gallagher. He's definitely got a combed, hair combed forward. He's always wearing a scarf with a suit for some reason. He's got this very, like, I saw some pictures of of British mods in the 60s in a magazine once, and I decided that's my look. Which, this actor is Ed Westwick. Oh, that sounds British. Is he British? He's very British. Who has been... explained so much. (laughs) Who has been in a lot of things. Like, so, I kept recognizing him, like, as the show went on from different things. I initially recognized him uh, from a incredibly lovely little British indie comedy called Son of Rambo, where he oh, played the sort of shithead who comes around older brother of the main kid uh, in the film. It was like weird seeing him in this because generally he plays characters that are a lot more sweet and kind of gentle and like Interesting. lovely. And he's very much playing against type in terms of everything else I've ever seen him in. Because I thought... Oh, this guy is exceedingly well cast. He looks and acts perfectly for this insolent rich boy who's who's just like... Uh, like, seriously, when he overhears someone say, Oh my God, did you hear? Serena's back. He goes, Good. Things were starting to get a little boring around here. It's like, he is that guy. Yeah. It is... This show is full of broad uh, archetypes, and he is... I mean, he nails it. Yeah. I cannot fault that actor in the slightest. He is hateful. Honestly, he is the only performance in the show I actually like. Mm-hmm. Even though he's playing someone who's like absurdly cartoonishly shitty, there's a feeling of like an actor chewing the scenery and just <laughs> just reveling in a villain. Yeah. That you rarely see in an actor so young. Yeah. It's the kind I- of thing you're used to seeing in like, you know, Anthony Hopkins or Ian McKellen is just like, I shall show up and eat your face with my words. <laughs> I didn't like him that much, but I did think, well, this guy perfectly nails it. He's even playing the character better than the writing that he's given. Yeah. Honestly, there are some lines he's given where you're like, oh, come on, give him something to, he's, he, that's not even a mouthful to chew on. Give him something to chew here. So back at the party, uh, Blonde Girl arrives. She is loudly announced by Fashion Mom. And despite the fact that they are literally half naked and about to bone, Kendall hears... That it girl has arrived, immediately gets up, starts putting his clothes on, go, hey, did you hear Serena's here? And br- Brunette is like, um, okay, but like, let's keep with the sex. And he's like, 
she's your best friend. Don't you want to go say hey? He's pulling his clothes on. He's He immediately transitions from about to have sex to, oh, hey, let's go say hi to your friend. Yeah, did no teenage boy ever. I'm, I'm sorry. I, anyone who has any interest in sex, I have a hard time believing. Unless this was meant to be the, our first hint that he's not really into Insecure Brunette anymore, which is one of the plot lines here. But, like, that's pretty hard turn. He's not even like, wait, hold on, hold on, wait. Hold on, let me get my brain back a second. My brain went south. Let me bring it up north. Did I just hear the word Serena? He knows it's just like, oh, she's here. Let's go hang out. Like they weren't half naked. This causes Insecure Brunette to pout and grow more insecure. It Girl's mom, who I initially referred to as Budget Paltrow, but <laughs> that's the vibe I got from her in the first scene. But as the show went on, I went, no, I'm not seeing Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm seeing some other actress, but I couldn't really place who else would be a similar one? So I kept calling her Budget Paltrow anyway. She's vaguely pleased to see it, girl, in a sort of limp like, oh, darling, you made it to the party. Not, oh, you got back from out of town. Gives it, yeah, gives it a classic yeah. butt out hug. And it girl is, in contrast, very serious and all business. She wants to know, where is he? And have they let him out yet? And we go, okay, so she came back to town for some serious shit that mom is not taking very seriously. Yeah. Living Kendall makes cow eyes at it girl, but Brunette cuts in before they can speak so they can share a super fake hug and super fake expressions of pleasure at seeing each other again. It's it's a moment that was, it's probably got its own TV tropes page with a cute name, this moment, where someone sees a person, their true emotions are on their face, then they look down and then look up with a different emotion on their face. It's, it's, it's like when somebody holds their hand in front of their face and does the and scene thing. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, and now I'm done with this character. But you did it to the person that you were hiding. Anyway. Oh, yeah. There's a whole thing about, oh, you must stay for dinner. Oh, no, I'm not feeling well. I gotta go. And she leaves. Uh, since... I have a, I'm feeling an attack of the vapors. I, must... I have a headache. <laughs> since Insecure Brunette is stupid enough to express out loud for some reason that she didn't know that It Girl was actually back in town, the stepsisters immediately get their phones out to apparently tell Gossip Girl that, right. oh my god, Brunette didn't know. Uh, Gossip Girl uh, pitches in to say something about, can this former bad girl really be changing her stripes or something like that? Yeah. So we know that despite the fact that she's acting like a perfectly reasonable and mature 20-something, she is supposed to have very recently been a wild party girl or something like that. All these Gossip Girl interjections, too, are like, again, it's this omniscient narrator thing mm -hmm. where sometimes she will address the characters directly and, like, comment on their inner monologues. Like, it's... It's a little inconsistent, yeah. It, it goes from, like, uncanny... Like, it goes beyond, like, a Lemony Snicket-style interactive narrator to, like, this, like, magical realism thing. It's so weird. Yeah. It Girl then rushes to a hospital to see her younger brother, who is in a very swanky room that I'm pretty sure exists in no hospital anywhere, but then I'm not a rich person. She apologizes, says, like, I know I've been a bad sister in the past, but, like, hugs him, is very worried. He seems about, I want to say, like, 14 at most. She's, I don't know, there's a tiny thing later that seems to suggest he's a freshman in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a tiny thing, I could be misreading it, but the actors look like they're 10 years apart, so it's confusing. Then mom arrives, and it, girl and, uh, and uh, Budget Paltrow have a bit of a verbal tussle 
apparently little bro tried to commit suicide and mom is hiding it. She lied and told everyone that he went to visit like their aunt in Miami or whatever. It's actually kind of a cute bit where she, where uh, it girl is like, I'm going to take him out for lunch. Yeah. And mom's like, no, I'll go buy him some lunch. And she's like, oh, you didn't even tell people he was in the hospital, did you? What, did you tell him he was visiting grandpa in Vermont? And she goes, your aunt Kathy in Miami. I don't know. That little exchange yeah. is actually very funny. Because, yeah, I guess scandal. She's trying to hush it up and it girl's mad about it. Well, and it, and it's already been implied that her older daughter has scandal as well, because she's it girl or another it girl. Oh God, I was like, was there another sibling I somehow missed? That's the one who's an assassin. <laughs> oh, the whole subplot. I wish you would have put <laughs> no, but like, it's it's it kind of keeps being implied that it girl went away because of a something. No, I don't. Oh, true. We we find out later. Yeah. It's not. As big a scandal as that. But anyway, moving on. At home, not Tom Cruise is making his kids breakfast as they get ready to go to the fancy private school that presumably all the other kids we've met also go to. Uh, it was weird. That they never established that. Nobody ever mentions the name of the school, I don't think. Nope. Up until this point, I was like, why? We're pretty well entrenched now in It Girl's drama and her friend and her friend's boyfriend. Who are those two other random people? Why was it important to meet them in the very first scene? But he then brags to his kids about how his uh, band that he was in in the 90s was listed in Rolling Stone in a list of, like, top 10 forgotten 90s bands you don't know about or whatever. At number nine. At number nine. He's pretty proud of it, though, which, honestly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Be proud of it. Although, it's weird that he says 90s band. It felt very appropriate, and then I realized, oh, wait, this show was in 2007. If he was in a band in the 90s, his oldest kid... It's got to be like 16 or 17. Yeah. So was born in like 1990 or something. Like, when was he in this band that was considered a 90s band, but mm -hmm. he had a child in 1990? Not that you can't have a child while you're in a band. It's just the timeline seemed a little weird. Or maybe uh, they're trying to make it feel less cool. At, like that he's already forgotten and it's only been eight years oh, since Oh, yeah. The 90s. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Although, that's what I thought. It's only been eight years since the 90s. But... A 90s band could be a band that was popular in 90 to 93, and that's yeah. a little bit longer. But anyway, this revelation that he was in a band has changed his name for me. He is no longer not Tom Cruise. He is now not Johnny Resnick. I considered not Trent Reznor, but they actually name-checked Trent Reznor later. So they start chatting over breakfast, and we find out that Loser Sister knows that Loser Brother has been reading the Gossip Girl blog to follow It Girl's shenanigans. And he says, what, what are you talking about? I don't read that blog. It's for chicks. And she goes, oh, so it wasn't your laptop I found opened to the page about Serena whatever, der, Vander whatever, returning. So she's got she's got her shit together. I wondered in, initially if they were supposed to be twins. They seem to have that kind of relationship. Also, we don't get like a drop of expo log, the kind of thing you would expect of, hey, just because you're a freshman now doesn't mean you're as cool as me, a junior, or something like that. Yeah. They never address that. So I was like, I they go to the same school and they never, he treats them like they're both the same age. Yeah. He doesn't treat one like the baby or one like the it's, responsible older yeah. sibling. It's stated later that she's a freshman. Yeah, and he's not. And he begins to treat her like a little sister. They get more of a little sister, older brother vibe later. But yeah, at this point yeah. I was like, are they freaking twins? At any rate, Loser's sister says she has been invited to a cool kid party. 
which, being a freshman, that's pretty freaking notable. Score. The party is called Kiss on the Lips. The way she says it, though, makes it sound like it's a type of party. Like, I was trying to think of an example. I don't think this kind of thing has ever been real. But this kind of thing has always been the sort of scare that, like, Oprah would report, and then it would turn out it wasn't real. Right, like, like a, a rainbow, rainbow party. party. Yeah. It sounded like she was saying it was a type of party, which... Despite the fact that it's called a kiss on the lips party, her dad's like, oh, that sounds great, honey. You should go. What? <laughs> Your 14, 15-year-old daughter got invited to this high school party that older kids are throwing. It's called a kiss on the lips. And you're like, great, go to this party. You're possibly a bad dad. The, the also, show clearly tries to set him up as, like, wannabe cool dad. I don't know. It, it, I felt like he was a little inconsistent. It was hard to tell whether he was actually cool or wannabe cool. Yeah. The, he acted like, honestly, a perfectly reasonable person most of the time, aside from this one thing, being fine with his daughter going to this weird party. But his kids treat him like he's like, ugh, this asshole again with his dumb stuff. They treat him yeah. like this weird older dude they know, not their dad. So we move to Kendall showing up at It Girl's house or the hotel where she's living. For some reason, they're living in a hotel. Uh-huh. Very unclear why. I mean, they gave a reason, but it was like, why is that important it's, for the pilot, though? The hotel is the Waldorf Astoria, which is, like, a classic, really, really rich people live their hotel in New York City. Sure, but, like, they gave an excuse of why they're living in this hotel temporarily, but I didn't understand why um, the show decided she should live in a hotel. That whole thing made no sense. Let's get, let's drop this. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Sorry. Kendall shows up. Fuck this show! And their conversation suggests to us that maybe the two of them had a little cheating action together uh, that brunette doesn't really know about although maybe suspects he's like you're back now so we can continue our thing and she says i didn't come back for you she shuts that shit down uh, then we move to school no it's not at school i thought it was at school but they was like gossip girl describes it they're like on the steps of the met whatever because like you do before school i don't know how rich people in new york behave you guys uh, Insecure Net is surrounded by the stepsisters. It girl shows up, and there's a very tense conversation. Uh, seemingly unneeding, unneedfully tense, since we don't exactly know what's going on yet. She sees the invitations to the party, which were handwritten. Every single invitation was handwritten. That's why Loser Sister got invited, because... She's like, yeah, this super cool popular girl noticed me doing calligraphy in art class and said if I wrote out all these invitations, I could have one. <laughs> so apparently this is the kind of party where you have to have an invitation to even walk in the door. So uh, it girl goes, oh, where's the party? And there's this awkward moment. And Brunette gives this bullshit excuse about, oh, well, um, you're not invited because until 12 hours ago, we all thought you were still at boarding school and we're full up. We don't have any more invitations. Like you're, you wouldn't invite your best friend who unexpectedly returned to town to a party because, sorry, we're full up and we don't have any more physical invitations. Like, it's such a weak excuse. It's like, that's how openly hostile this scene was. Gossip Girl narrates it a little bit, describes it as a power struggle, and we move on. Loser Brother is now helping Not Johnny Resnick poster for a show that his old band is now apparently playing and teasing him about not using MySpace to promote the show because 2007. They once again harp on the fact that the mom walked out on him. It's really weird because yeah, this is a scene where Loser Brother gets a emergency text from Loser Sister. Emergency 911 right. address. Big deal. So he goes, hey, I, I gotta run. Are you gonna be okay? Clearly meaning 
can you handle the post-string thing on your own? And the dad goes, yeah, hey, buddy, I'm going to be all right. Don't worry. You know, your mom just needs some time. He he clearly just thinks, oh, me and my son are having a moment. Son looks at him like, uh, I met with the posters. That's so mean. That's openly mean. Like, no. Like, why are you being overly familiar with me? I don't care about your emotions. I meant are you done with this chore you asked me to help you with, weirdo? And I don't know why the kids were that openly hostile. The dad deserved better. He's doing his best, you guys. So Loser Brother shows up. It turns out Loser Sister just needs his help picking out a dress for the party. She's in like a department store. He says, you're asking me for fashion advice? And she goes, well, mom's gone and dad's a weirdo. So <laughs> you're, yeah. you're the only person that I have to ask, you know? And it's, they have a nice moment where he's like, that's a really cute dress. And she goes, thanks. Too bad it's as much as our rent, but I'm pretty sure I could sew something like it. Which I like that as a character development yeah. for the sister. I hope that later on the show they continue her as like a fashion person, but who knows? Yeah. I wouldn't Hopefully. bet on it. <laughs> Loud sip of whiskey. They then run into It Girl who has kidnapped her brother to go shopping. Very unclear why. Like, they show her showing up at the hospital and being like, put your clothes on, I'm taking you shopping. And he's like, what? Are we going? Okay. It taking him to Bindle, which is the name of the bag at the end of a hobo's stick. There's a couple moments in this that, like, absolutely perfectly capture elite New York Upper East Side society so perfectly. And <laughs> we must go to the incredibly expensive dress that costs as much as rent store yeah and it's called bindle this was one of the points where i just had to pause the show and walk away that's interesting because i didn't catch the name of the store i caught it in the sense of oh they said a fake name of a fake department store i thought it was like oh like barney's but they're just trying not to say barney's like i thought they said bindles or something like yeah. that something a name a possessive name starts with a b we're not it's not barney's but it's barney's Right. Because it, it definitely wasn't portrayed like a chic little boutique. It was portrayed like a huge fancy-ass department store. I, I could see a store called Bindle in Seattle that sells dresses that cost as much as my rent. Yeah. I, I don't know about uh, Bindle as the name of a huge department store. I think they were going for, it's Barney's, don't worry about it. Well, I hadn't seen the store yet when she said that. And I was okay, just like, fair enough. Fuck this show! Yeah, living living in the Pacific Northwest in 2018, I can definitely imagine a store purposely called Bindle trying to evoke a hobo vibe, except dresses cost as much uh, as my rent. Yeah, so. like an off-brand anthropology. G. Anthropology. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that store. <laughs> Loser ah! sister goes, oh my gosh, it's Serena. Loser brother goes, what? Oh, and then she goes, hi, Serena, because they met earlier. Um, right. She was handing over the invitations to Insecure Brunette and the stepsisters, and Serena walks up and goes, oh, hi, I'm Serena. And she goes, I know. I mean, I'm Jen. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to fancy humans. Um, but Serena is very, like, not, she's not acting like the it girl in this moment. She's not like, well, you're clearly beneath me. I'll talk to these famous people. Instead, she goes, oh, hi, person who's talking to my friends. I'm Serena, introducing myself like a normal human. So it's a nice, she's a normal human moment, except there's no reason for her to be that way. So she goes, hey, Serena, and flags her down. And it, uh, Loser Brother goes, wait, what? How do you know? Uh, and he runs off and hides. He hides behind a rack of clothes. They have a little chat where Loser's sister gives Serena an invitation to the party, which she has made because she was the one who made the invitations. So she just makes another one and puts Serena's name on it and says, 
I made you an invitation for the party, but if anyone asks her, you got it. I know nothing. But like, she drew them, them all. by hand. So like, it's gonna be kind of obvious. <laughs> so in the next scene, Insolent Rich Boy is smoking pot and being dramatic, as is his thing. He's teasing Kendall about, so you're finally gonna do it. You're gonna seal the do with Insecure Brunette. It's after you guys have been dating since kindergarten. You're finally getting around to it. And Kendall is kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I even want to. And he's like, what? I'm sorry, we're teenage boys. How do you not want to have sex? But it's not like it's a... I don't know. He has this moment where he has a little bit of a I want much more than this provincial life thing where he's like, don't you think ever that you want more? Don't you think we deserve to be happy? And Insolent Rich Boy is like, we deserve a trust fund, a crippling drug addiction, and maybe a house in the Hamptons. I don't know if being happy is on the list, which actually was my favorite line from that character. It was so nicely self-aware. Like, we're entitled to the riches that our parents bestow on us. We're not entitled to be happy, which I don't think he meant it the way I'm taking it, but I'm like, that's fucking right. You want to yeah. be happy? You make that shit yourself. You're not entitled to that just because you're also given everything else you want on a silver platter, you piece of junk. In the moment, I thought, oh, are we giving Kendall more of a character? Are we trying to develop him as more of a human being? But that's thrown away in the rest of the episode, so I don't, I don't know what that scene was about. They then go on to It Girl and Insecure Brunette meeting up, uh, which they established during the weird scene on the steps of the Met that they were going to meet up later. They are in a literal bar, drinking literal martinis. And that, that moment I went, I'm sorry, wait, this is a high school, right? They're not in... Hashtag should have been college. Exactly. I was seriously thrown off. Nobody, there's no throwaway line. There is, in the very next scene, there's a throwaway line about, ooh, they serve minors here or whatever. In this scene, they're just two exceedingly well-dressed young women sitting in a bar drinking martinis. Wait, what's happening? What are you, who are you? They're at the bar. Because no one apparently cards rich kids in New York City. Insecure Brunette finally actually reveals why she was being such a bitch. Because It Girl left for boarding school without telling her and then did not call or write once while she was gone. Despite the fact they're supposed to be best friends and Insecure Brunette's parents got divorced. It actually felt like, oh, finally an explanation. No wonder she's being such a bitch. It's not just, you're supposed to be my BFF, but I'm going to be catty at you because you made eyes at my boyfriend. It's you disappeared without telling anyone and then didn't speak to me for a year. That's so, actually quite reasonable. Yeah, and, and, like, there's a thing in these sort of, like, ongoing drama shit is constantly going down, soapy shows, where if people would just simmer down for five seconds and be like, Talk bro. to each other. Yeah, which, like, I know in real life doesn't happen all the time. But it happens so much more on TV. Yeah, and it gets to a point where, like, when there's these moments, like, it's just like, what are you doing? Don't, like, stop it. In this scene where Insecure Brunette is kind of like... I went through my parents breaking up, and you weren't there. All of a sudden, she's a real person. And then Serena, the it It girl, girl, responds, like, in this, like, pretty genuine feeling like, I'm sorry, and, you know, I had this thing happen to me. And they, they sort of have this moment... Where they, like, seem to kind of make up. And they're like, yeah. let's be friends again. Yeah. And I mean, Serena doesn't say why she left still. But she does say, look, I... Please, can you just trust me that I had my reasons? 
Yeah, and it, it seems like, it's like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to be friends and then outside forces will tear them apart. But, yeah. like, immediately within that scene, you find that even this is 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 crap. And, yeah. like, it's so fitting. It's thrown away. That, Seconds later. That, 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 that insecure brunette, her name is, like, Bridget or Bonnie or some shit, and, and It Girl calls her B, and It Girl's name is Serena, and and B calls her S. So it's BS. <laughs> Their whole relationship <laughs> It's BS. I didn't know what it said. Oh it's my god. BS. I was just distracted by that because being someone with an S name, I know that that's not nobody ever shortens your name to just S because it feels weird to say. Yeah. S. B S- B is like, "Hey, come on, B." It feels like a nickname. Yeah. It is a real name. B E A is a name. But yeah. yeah, S, nobody ever calls you S. Also, I was distracted because for I've been watching Riverdale for a second, I expected them to call each other B and V and I was like, "Oh no, wrong show." At the end of that scene, Gossip Girl unnecessarily again cuts in as B walks away and S picks up her neglected martini and chugs it and Gossip Girl goes why so thirsty Serena I thought you didn't do that anymore implying oh did she used to be an alcoholic what we have a little scene where uh, loser sister tricks loser brother into going and stalking it girl by telling him where she's living at this fancy hotel I don't know. It's a little scene where she basically tells him, oh, you know, Serena's, uh, who I know you're into, is living at this hotel. Hey, do you want to uh, order in tonight? Uh, Dad left us money for dinner because he's going to be working late. You want to get Indian? And he goes, oh, I'm going to go out. And then she says to herself at her sewing machine, good, because I already ordered and I only got enough for me. It's like, she trying to get her brother to stalk I think Serena? she and Kenzie would get along really well. Mm, possibly. <laughs> then the next two scenes are intercut with each other. We are going back and forth between them, right. but I'm going to describe one and describe the next. All right. uh, the first scene, insolent rich boy shows up, is a dick. It Girl, even though she's clearly a bit drunk, is not having his shit. She clearly doesn't buy into his bullshit at all. However, he mentions he, he his parents own the hotel. That's where he says, well, my parents will be disappointed to find out the hotel that they own is serving minors. It's like, well, finally someone addressed it at least. Because she's now several martinis in, it sounds like. He talks her into going into the kitchen with him because, like, he can get her some kind of fancy sandwich, whatever, that's not on the menu. In the kitchen, he, like, sends the staff away so they can be alone or whatever. And in this moment, he says that he knows all about her and Kendall boning at a wedding. Yeah, at somebody's wedding. And at somebody's wedding the year before. She, and they're flashing. We're getting flashbacks of her. She's dancing on top of a bar in a room that nobody's using. He's like, we're not supposed to be in here. And she's like, oh, whatever. She's got a bottle of champagne. She's, she's, she is beyond. She's a completely different person in this scene than we've seen previously. She right. is drunk. And then she falls into his arms and they start making out. Uh, and not just making out. They are, they are doing stuff. Anyway, she is shocked to learn that insolent rich boy knows the truth. I don't know why she would be, because Kendall and him are, like, best buds. But then we witnessed, oh, no, Kendall didn't tell nobody. He kept it a secret, amazingly, but uh, Insolent Rich Boy witnessed it with his own eyes. <laughs> he then tries to force himself on her, because he's like, sounds like you and I are more similar than you would admit. <laughs> like, he's like, well, finally I've gotten her alone, and now that I know that she had sex with an other person, <laughs> clearly she will also have sex with me. But she does not want any of his uh, Insolent Rich Boy bullshit kicks him in the nuts, storms out. As she leaves, she bumps into Loser Brother, who is wandering around the bar looking for her. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry, recognizes who she is, helps her get her stuff that has fallen out of her purse. She does not look at him at all. 
She does not speak to him. She doesn't look at him because she kind of had a mildly traumatic experience just now. She storms off and he realizes she left her phone. And this is like the one scene that would have worked so much better were it set in an actual high school. The classic meet cute of bumping into your crush. Yeah. And then dropping all of their <laughs> shit all over the floor. Yeah. And yet, because of the bizarre, weird, like... It happens in a bar. Yeah. A hotel bar. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, so this whole scene with him talking about them boning and all that is intercut with Kendall arriving at a hotel room, I assume. Although maybe it was her house, given how she behaved in the other scene. Where uh, it's official. It has been decided. This has been planned out. Kendall and Insecure Brunette are going to bone for the first time. They're going to do the stuff. She is wearing some lingerie. There's candles everywhere. He walks in and he's like, wow. And she's like, is it, is it too much? I just really want this to be special. Although she feels very genuine in that moment. I'm doing it up like she's being manipulative. Yeah. But she actually plays it. And I don't know if that was supposed to be that she is. Gen I think she's actually supposed to be manipulative. But she played it a little too genuine. Which I don't know if that's the actress's fault or not. That was a systemic problem with this couple over the entire episode. Clearly this world is supposed to be full of like manipulative, backstabby, like evil mm -hmm. people or whatever. But like so much of their relationship had these moments where I think just because of the actors and how they were playing it, it felt more kind of just genuine and sort of sweet and like kind of innocent in that like it's like, they're just young, and she's like, no, I, I'm ready to take this step with my boyfriend. Even though clearly it's part of her whole, like, Serena-adjacent machinations. Yeah, she's trying to lock him down. Yeah. Which is proven, yeah, was proven in the scene where yeah. she tries to tear his clothes off at a party. Unplanned. Yeah. Now she's like, okay, new tack. Overplan it. However, he instead sits her down and tells her about him and it, girl. Which, which we don't see, but we see it intercut with the flashbacks and Insolent Rich Boy saying, I saw what happened. And then Brunette loses it, starts crying, tells him to leave. Understandably, again, she reacts not like everyone's like, I knew he would do this. You jerk, you're, 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 you're say the last of me, or whatever. She doesn't behave like a manipulative person who has found out that her manipulations or machinations have all been for naught. She acts like a girl who's genuinely about to take this step with her boyfriend who just found out that her best friend, she, I don't know, it, it again, the, the tone was a little bit, uh, what's happening? At any rate, we move on to the next day where Kendall is jogging with his manipulative Captain Dad, and uh, he tells him that he and Brunette broke up. Captain Dad says, Oh, no, you just need to buy her flowers or jewelry. Always work with your mother. Uh, rich people. And he goes, no, I, I think maybe it's for the best. And Captain Dad immediately changes tack and says, look, I'm trying to do a business deal with Fashion Mom right now, and I don't want it to fall apart. So if you could make up with uh, your insecure brunette girlfriend, that'd be great, because I don't want uh, your teenage bullshit to ruin my business deal, which is like... A little on the nose for rich, manipulative dad, but, like, fine, I guess. This, yeah, this was, like, one of the few scenes that, like, actually drew my interest. Because I just have a hard time getting invested in, like, a bunch of high schoolers having, like, a pile of drama among each other. And when you have, like, an outside force, like, your parents telling you to stay together with your little high school girlfriend because yeah. of stuff that is completely outside of your awareness or interest. That kind of tension is 
something that I think a, a lot of people can relate to. The vague concept of this was slightly interesting to me, but then it went away so quickly that it and it never had dissipated any, like the morning dew. Pretty much the very next scene, they meet up for lunch, and he goes, "I think we should get back together," and she goes, "Okay." And he's like, are you, are you sure? You want to talk about it? And she goes, nope, you're never going to speak to Serena again, right? Okay, everything's fine. And you're like, okay. She took that, uh, not well, because she's clearly just like, okay, I, I consent to us pretending uh, to be in love and pretend that this never happened so that I can still have you as my boyfriend as like yeah. a, a power chip in our society or whatever. I don't know. It was a very short scene. It happened rather unceremonious. This show does that a lot, where it sets up something that could potentially provide interesting dramatic tension, and then just and then either just, just, just done. And that's what I mean. Like it pulled my interest for a second because I was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be interesting if like he's really trying to get her back because of parental pressure reasons, and not and he's clearly not really that into it based upon all the previous scenes." Yeah. But maybe she doesn't take him back, and it's like this weird like. You know, I could see there being like a you know weird awkwardness and and dramatic tension there. So we move on to loser brother trying to return it girl cell phone. Which, given what a prop and what a, a a thing cell phones are in this episode, people are constantly using them to check the Gossip Girl blog or to text each other or to text clues to Gossip Girl or whatever. And so when she left her phone behind, I was like, oh, uh-huh, this is going to be some sort of thing where he's going to see a text sent to her or something. Yeah. No, she could have dropped literally anything because the last scene is just him trying to return it to the hotel. The concierge, for some reason, doesn't believe him. It's weird. You're not a billionaire, young yeah. man. What, what are you doing here? How do you know it's her phone? You it's... filthy peon millionaire. As Serena walks by and he goes, ah, Miss Vanderwillet, whatever. Is this, you know this boy? And he's like, no, she doesn't know me. And she goes, oh, hey, sorry, from the other night, right? Despite the fact that she absolutely did not look at him and didn't see him with Loser Sister because he was, like, hiding. But she recognizes him somehow uh, and goes, I'm so sorry about that. And he's like, uh, uh, no problem. He does the stupid, you remember me? You remember me. Of course you remember me. I don't know, it's <laughs> dumb. And he's like, oh, uh, here, your phone. She goes, oh, my God, thank you so much. I was wondering where it was. Like, she just acts like this 25-year-old, again, like, person who's just seen some shit and is, like, just trying to get through life. Like, just got off work and was like, oh, thank God. I was really worried about having to replace my phone, so thank you for returning it. It's just, I don't know. Played this this actress. What is she doing with this character? So they're having this nice little conversation and um, Budget Paltrow walks up and goes, oh, honey, I bought you a dress for the party that uh, your friend is having that I saw the invitation, so I bought you a dress. Weird. I wouldn't wear a dress that my mom had bought, even if she was bu Budget Paltrow. At any rate, uh, she goes, oh, I'm not actually going to that party. And I was like, what? Why? Your best friend's throwing it. And she's like, um, I, um, oh, well, because she didn't know I'd be back in town. She, I, she didn't tell me. And then by the time she told me, I had plans with my friend. And she looks beseechingly at this guy. It's so pa patently obvious that this is a charade. But the mom acts like, oh, this is fine. This is normally how people talk. She's like, my friend. And then she stares at him and he stares back. And then he goes, uh, hi, I'm uh, Dan, Dan Humphreys. He like, introduces himself. So like he's know. making up a fake name. <laughs> Except that's, that is his real name. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's very weird because she goes, I was going to hang out with my friend. This is the part where if he was actually a friend, you go, mom, um, this is my friend Dan. And she she goes, clearly my doesn't friend. know his name. This guy I just met. Anyway, they go, oh, really? What are you guys doing? And she looks at him like, make something up. And he goes, ugh. And he pulls out of his bag a poster for his dad's show. We're going to this concert. And the mom goes, 
you're going to see whatever band name? And he goes, yeah, Rolling Stone named them number nine on their list of top ten forgotten 90s bands. It girl goes, ooh, big fan. <laughs> like this weird, like, fist thing, like, solidarity, like, yeah. Oh. I'm a big fan. It's So, I mean, this whole thing, it's like a, it's a Shakespearean level yeah. style. They're trying of, to do like a comic a farce. Thing. Yeah, but it's. But, it doesn't fit with the tone the, of the, the show. The anyway, there's no reason. This show. There's no reason for this mom to believe that she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll keep the dress for myself. Good, because you fucking picked it out. She flounces off, and it girl says, "Thank you for saving me." And he's like, "Yeah, no worries." And starts to walk away, and then it girl like has a thought and goes, "So you'll pick me up at 8? And he turned around like, "Uh." And instead of going, "Oh, I I thought we were just bullshitting. Do you actually want to go to this concert?" Instead, he goes. You'd go out with a guy you just, you don't even know? And she goes, you can't be worse than the guys I do know. Ooh, sick burn. But it it kind of worked anyway, because it was like, well, she's trying to get out of her weird rich people right. drama life. Right. Hanging out with this guy who saved her in a weird pinch and returned her phone seems like a good bet. So it's a date. Uh, then we go to Fashion Mom and Insecure Brunette, and Fashion Mom is saying horrible things to Insecure Brunette, because... That's why she's insecure. Her mom is freaking horrible. And I wrote down one of the things she says to her because it is so awful that I practically needed to pause the show and go vomit forever, which was this. After telling her she's wearing, she's picked the wrong dress for the party and she'll wear a different dress, she says, you'll never be as beautiful or thin or happy as you are right now. I just want you to make the most of it. Fuck this show! <laughs> Sorry, I had to get in on the fuck this show action because that scene was the most gross. It was like, I know we're trying to establish that this is why she's insecure and her mom is terrible, but that was a little too terrible in my opinion. Anyway, we now move on to finally seeing this party and the way this party has been talked about up until this point, I kept changing my expectations for what it was going to be. Because at first I was like, oh, it's like a, a rainbow party. It's like a kind of party or something. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no. I guess it's just, it's a very exclusive party. We're full up. So maybe it's just going to be at uh, Insecure Brunette's house. And it's going to be just like a very exclusive, like, people hanging out, high schoolers hanging out party. No, we show up. It's a party as in at a club. There's lights and a DJ and a bartender and drinks. It just looks like a very fancy thing. Oh, also, Little Sister refers to it as a dance at one point. And I went, wait. Like, that was another one where I went, oh, is this supposed to be like a dance, like a school dance, except it's a private one? And it was more like a school dance than it was like a birthday party or something. But also, they're all in formal wear. And this is where I got the idea to refer to the two hangers-on as the stepsisters because they are wearing comically over-the-top formal wear. Like, bad prom dresses with corsages on their wrists. And, like, fascinators. They looked like the comically over-the-top ugly stepsisters in a production of Cinderella when they show up at the ball wearing, like, garish, over-decorated ball gowns. It's like, it was very weird. The guys are wearing tuxes. It's very, like, what is this party? So, I'm talking, and Strangely's just standing there shaking his head, I, yeah. almost as if it's unintentional. He, like, can't, can't control it anymore. Something that, if you have been consistently listening to our program you will know is that I'm very into world building and like consistency in the world that you're creating. And obviously like I love fantasy and sci-fi and ridiculous over the top, like whimsical fuckery, but like 
this even in a show set in the reality world building is still a thing there's there's nothing consistent or cohesive or coherent about what is happening here it's just like well they're having a party they're have rich, you ever so been be to big, a party with 16 year olds like i, I, I this is the this is the kind of thing that is made by people that i i don't genuinely believe were ever children <laughs> There's no cohesion as to this world building. Like, even us talking about them as being millionaires and billionaires, like, it's not like an established, like a really deeply established part of the show that all these people are wealthy. We're just given to understand that they are. But it's, there's no like world building of them being wealthy. We never see them compared to non wealthy people. Like, this is. Well, they're constantly compared to loser brother and loser sister and their rock star dad who are just. Less, less rich. wealthy, yeah. But they're millionaires still wealthy. among billionaires, like, kind of thing, yeah. And this is like again, this is that weird. Maybe maybe Rock Dad has an million. <laughs> yeah, but this is like that weird sanitized version of New York City too, where like there no are... one is actually poor. There are no yeah. characters who are like a, a working class person. Not even like a side character, like somebody's butler or something like that. Nothing. <laughs> At this party. As could possibly be expected, um, little sister is being slightly awkward, and she's, like, talking to people. Yeah. She's a little bit like, I don't really know how to behave around these people. And I'm waiting for the moment where somebody asks her about her dress, which never happens. Immediately insolent rich boy clocks her and asks the stepsisters, who's that? They say she's a freshman, her name's Jenny. Is there anything about her on Gossip Girl? No, not yet. And then the other one goes, there will be when you're done with her. Who are these? Who is this? They are really like a Greek chorus. They are a they Greek don't, chorus. They do not have personalities of their own. They're not given names. They barely say anything. The only things they say don't establish them as human beings or characters. Nope. They are just... Would a woman, young woman, say that about another? They, they are constantly shown as like hanging out. In the limo scene, they're both making out with him. They're both cuddled up to him on the couch in that first party. So they're trying to get his attention and get his curry his favor, as it were. But they're also self-aware enough about what kind of a person he is that they would say that about yeah. him, like, scandalizing another young woman. Anyway, very weird. He walks over and starts hitting on her, and this is where I started to realize that this guy actually deserves better writing than he's given in this, because he goes up, and he's smarming it up, and he's like, hey, I'm, oh, his name's Chuck. Hi, I'm Chuck. And because she goes, of course it is! And she goes... I know. I mean, I'm Jenny. She does the exact same beat yeah. as she did with yeah. Serena earlier. And um, then he just stands there, holding her hand and sort of stroking her fingers with his thumb or whatever. And, she, and it's like, I can't remember. They, they, they have at least other words are exchanged between them, but it's like, it's very weird. You expect him to start turning on the charm here, being like, oh, I just... I can't believe uh, such a pretty girl goes to our school and I hadn't met her yet. Some, a cliche line, sure, a cheesy line, a sleazy line. Instead, he just kind of stares at her and strokes her fingers. And she at least is like, uh, uh, cool, but also what's happening? She at least has that look on her face. Not like, I can't believe this guy's looking at me. She's a little bit like, what? Are we supposed to talk to each other now? Like, you're just staring at me and expecting me to like dissolve. He then says, want to go somewhere quieter to talk? And she's like, uh, okay. He then drags her off upstairs. They end up in like 
they're somewhere in the bowels of this building or something. They are not in another part of the party. And she's like, well, you wanted somewhere quiet. Uh, do you know where you're going? And he's like, how about right here? And they just stop in like a hallway. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, and then he just leans over and starts, he doesn't even say anything. He doesn't start flirting. He just starts trying to kiss her. And she's like, um, you said you wanted to talk. What do you want to talk about? And not in a, I'm awkward and don't know how to talk to boys way. In a very, like, genuinely, what do you think you're doing? You just, you, you haven't even said anything to me. Like, what is going on? And then he tries, he goes, ugh, like, I have to actually say words. And he goes, uh, just how into you I am. And it's like, she kind of looks at him. It's not quite a, for real, bro. Because she's still a little bit like, I, I do want this popular rich boy to like me, but I'm also confused. Look, and he goes, I'm sorry. And he seems real for a moment in that manipulative way where he goes, I'm sorry, that was cheesy or whatever. Let's start over. And she goes, okay, that would be good. Um, and he goes, have some champagne. And she goes, uh, maybe just one glass. And this was when I went, all the alarms went off. Weep, weep, weep. If he fucking slip something in her drink and she ends up getting raped in this episode, then I will burn this show to the ground. But he, for some reason, he turns away. And when his body turned away, I'm like, he's fucking going to put something in the drink. But it's, he only turns away so he won't see her because she pulls her cell phone out. And this is the moment where I became teen loser sister. Cause I'm like, she's fucking smart as hell. She pulls out her cell phone and kind of hides it from him with her body and starts texting emergency 911 come to the party to her brother who, up until this point, has been uh, on a date. I, I just, I, did, I, didn't, I don't really want to talk about the date because it's pretty unremarkable. I they go to the concert. I can summarize it really quick. Yeah, before. they go to the concert, but you never actually get to see the concert. I was actually excited to see how they would portray this 90s band. We didn't get to see them. They don't even end up going into the, par uh, the party, but they're kind of hitting it off. Yeah, he, he seems to be having like a, a pretty, you know, kind of nice sort of genuine night with It Girl. Yeah. And she seems to be really... Genuinely enjoying her time with him as well. That, yeah. that he seems kind of outside of all this drama and weird catty backstabbing because he's of a lower social tier in yeah. the school. There is a running gag where Chuck will see him. He sees him on the bus on the way to school and goes, "Are you stalking us?" And he goes, "Uh, no. I go to your school. The uniform was kind of a hint." Mm -hmm. They they do that a couple of times yeah. where they just don't know who he is, but. The weird thing about that scene is they are really hitting it off in a very genuine way, in a very likable, fun-to-watch way. And I kept thinking, this guy was a dick to his dad, like, a few minutes ago. I can't buy him as this really genuine nice dude. He's been stalking her on a, on a celebrity blog, and he's a dick to his dad. Are we really supposed to like him and think he's just, like, this we, cool, normal guy? We get, like, one throwaway line about her holding his hand at some birthday party when they were like four. Oh no, he she said hi Something. to him. She said yeah. hi to him. He's like, I don't even know who she is. And loser sister at some point goes, she said hi to you once in, at your at a birthday party in fifth grade and you never shut up about it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's like, like they've apparently, the two of them apparently been floating around these same people since they were kids, which makes it even funnier that they don't fucking know who they are. It's, it's meant to be this kind of thing where like he finally gets a chance with the girl that he's secretly had a crush on from afar. But it really just feels like he's been creeping on her all this but, time. But it, nothing about it, nothing about it in, indicates that he is in any way like a nice person, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it doesn't feel... Consistently likable. No. 
Which just might be that his character isn't very consistent. But anyway, they get the emergency tasks. They rush off to the party. Long story short, they find them on the roof where uh, he is trying to make out with Loser's sister who's trying to push him away. Um, she has not been drugged, thank God. They rescue her. Uh, he punches Insolent Rich Boy. Uh, and they rush off. And, he, and Insolent Rich Boy says, again... The actor deserved a better line than this because this line makes no sense. He says, your life is over, slut. Don't forget, I know everything. And actually, now that I'm saying it, he must have been directing that at Serena. I thought he was directing yeah. it at Jenny, the little sister. But now that I'm like, oh, he must have meant I know everything about your sordid slash torrid uh, secret about Kendall. But like, the secret's out. I mean, not everybody knows. I guess he could make her life worse by telling everyone but everyone seems to suspect already. The, and yeah. Brunette already knows the truth. So it's like, what do you... Anyway, it was a, it was, it was a weird line and kind of weirdly delivered. But they rescue the sister. They leave the party. They share kind of a tender moment. Like, I think he takes her hand. Yeah, as they're walking out through the party, she kind of is like, everyone's staring at her and it's like uncomfortable. Oh, because they're like, oh, yeah, when she first walked into the party, yeah. the whole thing where everyone starts whispering, oh my God, Serena's here. And they're pulling out their phones to text gossip room, yeah. I guess. And then he takes he takes her hand in kind of this like moment of solidarity. And like, I, it's I confess kind of I sweet. sort of looked away. And when I looked back, they were holding hands and then they shared a look. I didn't catch which of them took the other's hand. Did she take his hand for support? No, he... he reaches back and he's like, no, it's okay. You're with me. Like, I got you. Oh, that it's... seems weird. Seems like it make more sense if she took his hand for like, I'm feeling insecure because everyone's looking at me and you seem like a good thing that I'm going to take hold of. And he'd be like, whoa, you took my hand. That's weird that he took hers, he but the show is weird. So they leave the party. They share kind of a little bit of a tender moment outside of a cab where he's like, so you think I could get a second date or whatever? And then they get in the cab, which is witnessed by Kendall, standing outside getting some air. Uh-oh, he's going to be jealous and make Loser Brother's life bad or something? I Who knows? I guess I don't care. And the totally useless Gossip Girl chimes in to remind us that there will be another episode of the show. She, I can't remember what she says. Because Monday is coming. It really it was like she came and went, all right, uh, I know we wrapped up this uh, this plot line, but don't forget, there's more show coming, which, yeah, we understand how TV works, but thanks, Gossip Girl. <laughs> Get ready for the next episode in the thrilling adventures of shitty people. <laughs> Finally, we have finished the recap of this episode, and it's time to move on to our first segment, which we like to call... Where did the money go? Fancy clothes and the big party scene? That's my best guess. Yeah, and a lot of like actual location shooting in oh, Manhattan. Point. Like, they like did real really, places. They did shoot at actual Grand Central Station and I suspect actually the steps of the Met. I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. That must have been where it all went. They really wanted to make this feel like actually New York. In a way that even like Elementary on CBS, which is set in New York and, and shot in New York, still does a lot of location shooting on kind of side streets. You know, they're, they're not walking up the steps of the Met. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of money to coordinate that. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, we answered that question. Where did the money go? They just really wanted to sell us on this being real New York. Anyway, uh, our next segment is called What Will This Show Be? Which is a question I'm often interested in answering and I'm not interested in answering about this show. Because it's just going to be more drama. That's the only answer. I mean... Shit is going to constantly go down and yet somehow stay the same. Yeah. 
No one will grow. Yeah. No one will change. Although, I do want to say one thing about on this topic, which is, I'm going to go into this a little more as we go on, but I felt that the Gossip Girl conceit was... Un, it was just like, why is it here? It's the name of the show. It's what makes this show slightly different. And we're going to go into it more later, I, I know. I have an answer to that question. Oh, okay, good, because I have thoughts about it. But the only th- way that I can imagine this show becoming anything even remotely other than, I don't know, soap opera about rich kid drama, is if they find a way to make that conceit interesting. And actually part of the show. A load-bearing aspect of this yeah. program. So... It's it's sort of like the it reminds me of, of that uh, there's a there's a book on writing that I read uh, I, I think it was by Elmore Leonard but it was like don't write a prologue it, I think that is start, that may be famously one of his rules on writing right you should start when the story starts mm-hmm. and it's sort of like there are other there are other kinds of things like that in stories that are sort of superfluous it's like I've heard many people say that do not if you gotta add a flashback later, but do not start with a prologue. Yeah, and it's sort of like the same thing with sort of like like narration, particularly with omniscient narrator characters. Mm-hmm. Like we should be learning about your characters through what they do, not having a narrator tell us what they're thinking, because that's not interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna say it right now, as long as we're on the topic, the Gossip Girl narration which seems like it should be more important to the show since the show is titled Gossip Girl, it felt to me like the kind of narration a studio adds to a movie because they don't think that the audience is smart enough to understand it. It's freaking Deckard rambling on over Blade Runner. It's, ah, this is too confusing for people to understand because sci-fi, we gotta add a guy talking to it. But there's nothing that the Gossip Girl says during this episode she very rarely says anything that we haven't already gotten from dialogue directly or from just people's behavior that we could have picked up. She says very few things. And the few things she says that weren't already established, they could have easily worked in a single throwaway line of expo log right. that would have covered it. So she, she has no function. She, which is weird because, yeah. again, the show is called... Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. And they make a big deal of... Oh, no, you know what? There was a little intro sequence. Excuse me. I said there wasn't one, but there was. Because she says for the very first time her catchphrase, which is apparently how she signs off her blog, which is, and who am I? That's the one secret I'll never tell. XOXO, Gossip Gossip Girl. Girl. Or, you know you love me, XOXO, Gossip Girl. And then they immediately repeat that little bit in the intro sequence. Yeah, like a a title card, basically. Yeah, a bit of a title card, yeah. It's... They, she says it a couple other times during the episode, so we know that's how she always ends. You know, you know you love me, XOXO, Gossip Girl. They're really ha- hammering in. Also, interestingly, I didn't catch this. I did not recognize her voice. But I did think to myself, what's the deal with the voice um, of this, of, of Gossip Girl? Um, they must have put some thought into casting the voice. Ooh, do you have something to say? You have a look on your face. Like, do you have something well, to say on this? Well, is, the, is this... Can we talk about this in Cliffs and Ships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay sorry. So, we're going to move on to... Cliffs and Ships! Anyway, this is the segment where we talk about our uh, predictions for the show in general. If we have ships of any characters, what we think the cliffhanger of the first season will be. General predictions. So you just said that you were like, well, they put, obviously put a lot of thought into who's voicing Gossip Girl, and yeah. like you looked that up and everything. I kind of got the vibe that that one of the people that we had already seen 
was actually Gossip Girl. And that was going to be like this mystery that would unfold, sort of like a a How I Met Your Mother. That would have been cool. Kind of conceit. If it was. But based on what what it feels like you're about to say, maybe not. So so go ahead. And I just wanted to get that out before you tell me this information. I did wonder, watching the show, I was like, so is this going to be a thing? When they first introduced the conceit of Gossip Girl, I went, oh, I bet a big part of the show is going to be everyone wondering who Gossip Girl is. A big part of the show is going to be trying to find out the identity of Gossip Girl. But nobody wonders that during the show. People mention Gossip Girl out loud, you know. Insolent Rich Dick says, is there anything better on Gossip Girl? Did you, people say, did you see on Gossip Girl? Oh my God. Oh, you've been reading Gossip Girl. So they mention, but nobody ever mentions the fact that Gossip Girl's identity is a mystery or that they wonder who she is. Nobody says anything to that effect, except Gossip Girl herself with the, and who am I thing. So nobody wonders this at all. So as the show went on, I was like, okay, so are we not? Is this show just going to keep on with this vague conceit of a Gossip Girl talking is this just an excuse for there to be a voiceover narration thing? This seems like it should be a more important part of the plot. And like I said, it's not a load-bearing aspect of the plot. Not in the pilot. And then I looked up Wikipedia, not even intending to look up who is the voice of Gossip Girl, because it seemed uninteresting to me. I almost didn't care. And then I pulled up the Wikipedia, and one of the first things I saw was it was Kristen Bell. And I was amazed that I didn't recognize her voice, because... I love Kristen Bell. Yeah. I have a huge crush on Kristen Bell. I, oh my God, she, I, if I met her, I would act like loser sister. I know. I mean, uh, what, how do we t- how do people talk? I, she's amazing and I can't believe I didn't recognize her voice. So. Was this, this was before Veronica Mars, right? Wait. No. When did, I only watched Veronica Mars on DVD after the fact. When, when was that? Was this after she was... When was Veronica 2004 Mars? to 2007, which means, yeah, this was after. on the heels of Veronica yeah. Mars. So they weren't just casting... So Okay, so they picked someone who was known. They spent money casting her as Gossip Girl. It, it, it makes me think they're going to do something more with Gossip Girl. Eventually show her face, maybe. But I don't know. That's why I said in my hot take, I don't know why the show exists. It's called Gossip Girl. The very first shot strongly establishes, we've got the Gossip Girl, she's a gossip blogger, she's got informants all over town with their camera phones, and now that people have phones with cameras, and they can, even some people have internet on their phones at that point, this is enabling her to be this all up in celebrities' business. So it's like, okay, this is what the show is about. And then she's immediately relegated to basically a voiceover. So... This whole time I'm watching this show, Mm -hmm. the the two hours of my life that it took me to get through this, Mm -hmm. I, hang on, I'm going to finish the scotch. (laughs) I couldn't figure out. Let it take the wheel. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Because it was just like, there was another shoe that I was waiting to drop. There was another thing. Now, for those of you who don't know, for a brief time a number of years ago, I ran a used bookstore. And in the used bookstore, we had a room for kids' books. And in the kids' books room, there was a shelf of YA literature. And there was a lot of stuff on there that never sold. No one really seemed to be interested in it. Uh, That's important. So as the credits rolled, one of the first cards that came up in the credits was based upon the book, da-da-da, by author. I did not even see that. I was so, I pressed pause as soon as the credits started coming up. (laughs) So glad it was over. In that moment, I flashed back to when I was 
running the used bookstore and remembered that there were a number of books in like, you know, kind of one of those shitty scholastic publishing or whatever, you know, like they just kept churning them out Mm because kids would buy them for two bucks or whatever. Uh, Gossip Girl is a series of like, kind of like YA older teen books. And suddenly so much of this made sense because when you have like, you know, when you have teenagers meeting, so like it, it, for some reason, like if you're reading a YA novel and like teenagers meet at a bar and they're having a martini, it's, it's like, whatever. It's like the fantasy world of the book. But when you show it, when you literally show like an adult bartender pouring and martini for a teen, like it's, it's a totally different thing. Also this conceit makes so much more sense for a book. Right, to have this omniscient narrator, blogger character, because yeah. she's the one telling you the story. Hashtag should have been college. It makes more sense as the conceit for a book. Yeah. Every chapter of the book could start with, in a slightly different font face, a snippet of the blog. I can visualize it perfectly. Yeah, but you go from Courier to Times New Roman. Yeah, exactly. Something. But when they translate it to this voiceover thing, it just felt like this... You can do so much more with visual storytelling in a TV show. You need a narrator less. Yeah. That's what it is. But that's why oh, it just kept so feeling like they were crowbarring Gossip Girl into yeah. all these scenes that didn't need her. Yeah. Her is... commentary was just like kind of unnecessary. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this makes so much sense. Thank you. Can so we, we move on to Final Verdict? So we may move on to Final Verdict, which my Final Verdict was, it's not that bad. The writing and acting, to me, honestly, were fine. It's just completely unremarkable. The nicest thing I can say about the show is that it was fairly consistent style and story-wise. I, I didn't think it was consistent. I, I, I th- yeah, I didn't hate it like you did. I just, it just, it offended me. And I feel bad saying this because, like, I totally acknowledge that, like, I am not a 14-year-old, like, high schooler who's looking at this going, man, I wish I had that rich kid life. Like, yeah. I understand that I am not. The target audience. I just hated this. And as I've thought about it, you know, since watching it and everything, it's not so much that it's it's about a bunch of teenage girls having their backstabby drama. Because I know that there's a tendency in our culture to sort of, like, punch down and diss on, like, things that are perceived to be, like, marketed. Feminine, and, especially for young yeah, women, yeah. Yeah, like Twilight, you know, to be like, oh, well, screw that, it's stupid, because... <laughs> I because, deserved it. But anyway. But, but you know what I'm saying, like... I, I, I agree I in the be general concept. Very, we don't need to make examples to make the point. Yeah, it's I just want to be very careful to... to Explain yeah. where I'm coming from. Yeah. But the thing that I hated about it. I mean, is... I hated Degrassi, which is also for the sure. same demographic. Sure. I hated Degrassi the way you appear to hate Gossip Girl. So. But the, the thing that I keep coming back to is I keep comparing it in my mind to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a show in which. I wish you guys could see the all way the... that I was just absolutely and... boggled. My face Here, went all crazy. Here's why I don't like It's Always <laughs> Sunny understand. in Philadelphia because the five leads are terrible people right. this is who are just always terrible. Anytime that you think they're going to have sort of an actual, genuine, emotional beat where they're going to really reveal something about themselves and, and, and be up front and you might actually learn something about them, it gets turned over and they're stabbing the person in the back as yeah. they're saying it. Like that scene in the bar where I had to turn it off and walk away for a minute. Yeah. And it's like, it's so frustrating to, to watch a show like this because... I cared about none of these people at all. Even uh, even loser brother and loser sister who are ostensibly supposed to be the, the, the good people. Yeah. They treat their dad like shit. 
And yeah. not like in a teenager way, like in a like yes. weirdly Again, weirdly adult adult way. way. Or a way a teenager would treat another teenager. They treat him more like a peer than, than Yeah. And it just kids like for the father. I don't care about kids respecting or not respecting their parents in TV. I'm just saying like everybody in the show is garbage. Yeah, I, I, honestly, little little uh, loser sister is the only person who's not garbage. And even she is like not super nice to her dad and a little bit manipulative towards her brother. Just not nearly as bad as anybody else. Yeah, and I just oh I, little little uh, little brother, it yes, girl's sorry. brother. He just went through a traumatic experience, and she takes him shopping. Like what? Anyway. But it, again, he gets no development other than he tried to kill himself. Yeah. Which honestly, if I was a member of this particular universe, like that would probably be my one defining character trait as well. I just, I'm sorry, my final verdict. Fuck this show! Anyway, folks, that's our show. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed this rambling ridiculousness, uh, you can find us on the internet at pilothousepodcast.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at pilothousepod. You can also head over to buymeacoffee.com slash pilothouse to buy us a coffee. If you'd like to throw us a little money because folks we're not rich we don't live at a fancy hotel and our parents were not on rolling stones list of top 10 best forgotten 90s bands okay yeah, they just weren't we, we <laughs> they just weren't they were they were like number 15 at best i know right my parents were like 35 it was embarrassing oh. on the top 100 Ooh. <laughs> as a result uh, we would love a donation or two for uh this show that we try to put some entertainment into for you to suck out. What? <laughs> I'm a loopy. One cider and a chat about Gossip Girl and I'm Put ready to go some home. Some entertainment into for you to suck out. <laughs> I apologize. I'd like to strike that from the record, Your Honor. You can also send us an email at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com. If this is your first episode of Pilot House, you can uh, go subscribe to us on iTunes, or if you're hearing it on iTunes, you can listen to it on our website. There's a lot, guys, hold on. <clears throat> Start over. This is why we shouldn't drink during podcasts, strangely. God damn it, Sophia, the blunt the blunt. If you enjoyed this episode and it was your first time uh, visiting the Pilot House, feel free to catch the rest of our episodes wherever pods are cast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thanks. Bye. I'm sitting here in Finland and I'm asking myself why my mind is full of gossip girl. Maybe I need help. I've got to edit this podcast for a Monday release. It's the only way I'll get myself a wee bit of relief. I know the gossip pilot like it was old Star Wars. It's become my obsession, my compulsive mental chore. Why can't this show be forgotten like those bands of the 90s? Then my mind could finally be set free. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will let go of the show. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. I've now officially dedicated 16 hours of my life 
thinking of these awful people and their joy and strife. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. But for now, I'm feeling oddly compelled to watch more of this show. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. But for now, I'm feeling oddly compelled to watch more of this show. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Maybe someday I will learn to let go of the show. Maybe someday I will learn to let this turkey go. Hashtag should have been college.